Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Jason Knights, founder and managing director of Blue Kangaroo Design, a brand strategy and design agency who work in the toy and licensing industry. Jason, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming on the program today. Now, normally we charge headlong into the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID outbreak, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how is this affecting your business? Um, it's affecting us to, to a stage where some of our clients have, um, have slowed down. Um, we work a lot with the film studios in the US and the toy companies, um, and they're big companies, so they've had to furlough quite a lot of their staff. But we're, we're a company who we work remotely as it is. So the working remotely side of it hasn't, hasn't affected us at all. And would you say that the remote working is something that's increased productivity? Definitely. We, um, we have an amazing team. And the, the team have sort of molded themselves to um, the hours that our clients work. So because nobody has to be in the office for 9 o'clock and finish at 530 the guys tend to work the hours that suit them. So productivity has definitely yeah, gone up. Now, when it comes to moving past this current time of restrictions, do you feel that you are going to continue with what you've set up during this COVID time? Or would you like to revert back to the way it was originally? No, I definitely think we're going to have to uh, look at the way we, we work. Um, as a business, we've already spoken um, how some of the staff would like to carry on working. Um, and I think there'll definitely be a mixture of working from home and then meeting in a, an office space um, to you know to do projects together. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely things will change moving forward. But I think that'll be for the better. Well, let's have to hope that that is the case for not only your business but for many businesses across Britain. We should definitely. move on to the uh, subject of leadership. I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Um, I think leadership and being a leader is is a huge thing when you run a business. Um, you know, days have gone where, you know, you can expect staff to do exactly what they need to do and, you know, go above and beyond. I think, you know, leadership's a key word within the business. We're, um, we as a business are quite fortunate that I don't need to sort of have to lead individual people, you know, um, as a team, we all lead, which is a, which is a, a real benefit to us. Um, so it's probably the most important part of running the business, I would think. And when it comes to your personal day-to-day leadership style, how would you uh, describe it? Um, I'm quite lax, I think. Um, I think the the way we lead is more of a discussion, more of a, you know, planting a seed and the, the team run with it. Um, I don't do I don't do or expect anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do or haven't done. Um, and I think you have to give your team, you know, free run sometimes to, to let them make their own decisions. Now, when it comes to how you came to this uh, point uh, in your leadership style, did you have any role models along the way who brought you this far? Um, I was I was fortunate that when I left school, um, I joined the armed forces. So, you know, 
you, you learn different types of leadership, um, some good, some bad. And as I've gone through my career, I've sort of watched people that have been my uh, my immediate managers. Um, and I've basically taken away the things that I think work and that I think things don't work. Um, you know, I used to work for somebody who was who would manipulate the way people work. It, it, you didn't get the best out of people. So, you know, it hasn't happened overnight. You know, I've made some mistakes, but I think, you know, gauging the way that my team operate and how we get the best out of them has taught me how to be a good leader. Now, of course, that's an excellent point to bring up. Uh, one can learn just as much from a bad leader as they can from a good one, which leads me on to uh, my next question. What separates a good leader from a bad leader? Well, I think respect um, is a huge thing. I think if, you, if you're a good leader, you get the respect from not just your team, but your suppliers and everybody involved with the business. I think if you're a, um, a leader who isn't really interested in, in your team or in your suppliers, then you get no respect. So definitely respect for me. Now, of course, leadership has its challenges, and one of those uh, big ones is diffusing conflict within the workplace. What's your methodology for doing this? We're, we're quite fortunate as a business. We very rarely get conflict in the workplace. Um, I think as a creative company, not everybody always agrees on a, a route or a, you know, a way of doing things, but we tend to sit and talk things through, um, which I know sounds a little bit sort of... Um, easy to say but you know i think again you, you as a leader i'm not always going to be right so i've got to listen to what other people say and take people's opinions um so you know we've just got to be sort of bigger people and accept that we're not always right sometimes um and i think that reflects to the people that we've got working with us who you know take up the same way of working now, of course, uh, in the field of leadership, it's constantly changing. How do you feel that your leadership has changed during the COVID pandemic? I think I've struggled quite a lot with it, to be honest, um, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, I haven't seen my team now for three and a half months, nearly four months. Um, and it's quite difficult sometimes when you're sat in a room by yourself trying to manage a, a team that are all working from home. Um, so, you know, we've done the things where, you know, we've done the conference calls, we talk every day, we speak every day. Um, but I've really had to learn to adapt. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've got a team that I trust. So I haven't got any issues there. Um, I think it's been, it's been more difficult for me probably than it has the team. Um, so I've just got to think a little bit more about what I'm doing, what I'm saying, um, and how I manage issues or how I manage their workflow. Now, leadership uh, is a behavior that is not only learned but mirrored. Are there any individuals out there who you look up to uh, who are in the public eye, uh, anyone who runs a company or a uh, government department? Um, there's, there's probably not to be honest, but I try not to, I try not to emulate what other people are doing. Um, and I think in the public eye, you probably get a bit of a, a mixed mixed review and you only get a certain take on, on what people think. Um, you know, I've got mentors who I look at and who I follow, who I respect massively and I learn a lot from. Um, I think any 
any manager or owner of a business who says that they don't learn continually is um, is possibly not telling the truth. So public eye probably not, but more more my peers who I, who I work with. Now, of course, uh, when we come out of this lockdown, uh, there are going to be many changes in business. And one of them is uh, office space, uh, whether or not people are going to continue to inhabit it. Do you feel that you're going to stay in the same footprint or do you think you might scale down? I I don't think we'll stay in the same office that we're in now because it brings issues with the COVID um, pandemic. We will have an office space. it will be probably the same size, but it will be more of a workshop environment. I definitely think as a business, we still need to have a, a workspace because when we have clients who come to visit us um, or, you know, we're working on projects that sort of we need to work as more of a team, we definitely need a, a, a space. That space will just be a little bit different than what we what we're used to now. Now, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to a close. But before I let you go, Jason, what does the next 12 months have in store for Blue Kangaroo Design? The next 12 months is going to be an exciting time. Um, You know, we have had to learn to adapt. We've done that very well over the past few months. Um, It's going to bring up opportunities that we we haven't necessarily had over the the past periods. Um, We're lucky that our clients are, are very loyal to us. So it's definitely going to be exciting times. It's going to be a bit nervous at times, but it's going to be um, exciting. We export a lot, so we I spend a lot of time traveling the world. That's going to change. I think we are we're in for a bit of a, a, a funny period, but I think as a business we have to you know take that on full force and uh, go with the mental. So I'm quite excited about things. Well, I'd like to thank you, Jason, for coming on the program, and hopefully we can have you back on uh, when things get back to normal. But for now, Jason, thank you. Thank you very much. That was Jason Knights, founder and managing director of Blue Kangaroo Design. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, 
uh, came along. He made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was in terms of inspiring confidence I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me I guess would be the captain Bob Moore although he was only uh, about eight months older than me he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. 
Um, up naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a, a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Grees in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt 
people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It it's too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or 400 people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses itself, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to come up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did. Uh, um, it did but make then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, 
you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely—you've mm. got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this over a period of time, you know, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they—they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but 
the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out, I think, looking at that. So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned. Uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago of course with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers we, we still got on our wives got on with, all together all those years later it didn't just finish after 66 it, that reunion that camaraderie that team spirit mm. um, uh, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long 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 time and I wouldn't and- when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorise those I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. Showed. The word is te- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, Thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organization. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, 
thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.